Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, I'm Sai, and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Danny Batten Fight Show. And this is episode number 37, just myself and Danny today. But uh, as usual, you can find the video version of this show and all our other shows at youtube.com slash acepodcastnation, as well as the audio versions at all your favourite podcasting and radio apps, and like the links uh, to which are all in the description so uh, give the YouTube channel a subscribe, help us out, help us grow as it were. Uh, so tonight we're going to talk uh, last night's UFC or Saturday's UFC, uh, a little bit of Bellator, some UFC news, MMA news, and uh, we just didn't get around to watching the boxing, unfortunately, was, there was too much to watch. Uh, yeah. But I saw the uh, Pofkin versus... Dillian White. I saw the finish to it, but that was about it. I didn't have time to watch the whole fight. Uh, but uh, talking to me about all these things and more is uh, K, former Cage Warriors champion, UK MMA legend, Mr. Danny Button. Welcome, my friends. How are you? All right, sir, and everyone else who's listening. Yeah, uh, had a good week. This is my first week back training after about six weeks. Made a bit of a shock to the old body, but. I survived it, and uh, looking forward to next week. Got to get, got to get that beer barely gone. Got to get it gone. Yeah. All that, all that six months of lockdown, drinking and eating. Just got yeah, it yeah. Mm. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm assuming it's good to be back, mate. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I, lo- I love what I do. Uh, I'm in a really fortunate position to do something that I enjoy so much. Um, but yeah, like I say, I'm not. Not a young man anymore, so the old body's uh, screaming at me a little bit to slow down. But I've had the weekend to rest up, and I'll be ready and raring to go tomorrow. 
Here we go. Um, so, just before we get into the, the UFC card from last night, we had uh, some little bits of news drop. So, first of all, we had it was announced that uh, Petty Yan will face Aljamain Sterling for the title, uh, the Bantamweight title. What do you feel about that? Oh, well, you know, as we know, Yan's been on the tear, but Sterling is no mug. And uh, I, don't, I think Sterling's going to do it. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's. I just think stylistically, I just, I just think he's going to do it somehow. I think he's, I think he's naturally more athletic than Yan, yeah. and um, if he does things the right way, like I suspect he might well do, I think he's um, going to put some of that physicality onto Yan. Um, he has to rush Yan. Uh, don't let Yan settle. I think he has to go, go, go get him from the start. Yeah, uh, look, Patty Yan is just incredible. Um, mm. I think it'll be an incredible fight, actually. I think both mm, guys mm. will just go hell for leather. Um, be interesting. interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fight. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's only uh, you know, Sterling's only ever been stopped once by that um, Ryers, um with a with a knee, and other than that, he's only had two split decision losses. Mm. Um, split decisions, as you know, because to show that it's obviously a really uh, close affair. Yeah, um, 100%. And, okay, and with the amount of fights that he's had to, um, you know, have that one one KO. I don't know. I think this guy's a real deal, and I think he's he's dangerous. He's dangerous. I mean, you oh. can't write Yan off. Of course not. I mean, look at what Yan's done of late. But I just think stylistically, Jimmy Sterling's uh, he's got it on him on paper. He just needs to. I mean, who knows? Now, now Pete Yan's flying higher than ever before. Uh, you know that might make that confidence an unstoppable confidence. But I just think on paper. Looking at them both, I got got my feelings set on Sterling to do this. Yeah, I mean, see, I'm leaning towards Jan. I just um, mm. been ultimately very impressed with everything he's done mm. uh, in the past couple of years. But by no means would I be shocked if Aljamain Sterling. Yeah, um, it's it, it's exactly like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I mean, if I could sit on the fence, I would. Um, but I'm going to, you know, force myself to take a nod in a, a certain direction, and it's all too easy to just go with Yan because he's got so much attention lately. But Sterling's really been doing good things. Um, what, what is he on something like a five-win streak? These, you know, now, and I don't know. He's the real deal. I just think think he can do it. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. Mm. Like we've mentioned before, that um, I think Brett Johns has only lost a couple of fights in the UFC, and I think that to Aljamain Sterling. Uh, Pedro Munez, yeah, someone else up the top. I think it's three in total, but I mean, yeah. it's not bad. Uh, you know, all the all those guys are like right up the top of the division now. So yeah, exactly, they are. Shows the talent that he's got, but I just think I agree with you. Aljamain Sterling is uh, superb, and um, you know he's been a champion in other promotions. I know, but I'm not sure if he's he's never had a title in UFC, have he? No. No, he's, he's always. Uh, is that, yeah, I'm just wondering whether he's actually even fought for uh, the title. Has he got up at that level? Just having a quick scan through his UFC grid, CBS. Uh, I can't see one. Mm. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting. He beat, obviously, he beat. So in 2018, he beat Brett Johns via decision. He beat Cody Stanman via submission. Mm. Then he then he beat Jimmy Riviera by unanimous decision. Pedro Munez by unanimous decision. Yeah. in two thousand and nineteen. Yeah. 
uh, and then earlier this year in June he beat Corey Sandhagen mm. um, which was like a bantamweight title eliminator and he won via submission in the first round yeah performance, performance of the night so I think mm. you know he's there um, he's so many losses he's got three losses in his whole career he's total uh, 22 one nineteen lost three um, mm. so you know it's impressive impressive yeah. record it is yeah and you know he's been in UFC for for a long time now so you know he's well grounded there it's not like nerves are going to be getting the better of him I think he's uh, fully comfortable in the UFC set and I think he's ready to ready to maybe take that crown I, I just mm. think if it's going to happen it has to happen for him now yeah um it's been a bit it's been a bit of an interesting couple of days in the lightweight division as well as um tony ferguson was active on social media again he called mm. uh for conor mcgregor or poirier to fight him in a a lightweight title eliminator is how he described it um and someone asked dana white about that last night after the event um, and he basically said that they're looking to do ferguson versus poirier in october um mm. Jeez, they've taken some beatings to pair of them over the last yeah time. yeah they have. they've got a lot of mileage yes, up on their on their clocks so uh yeah that's gonna be a good one but I, i'm gonna go ferguson on that one see if you'd asked me this before his last fight i would have 100 percent gone with ferguson um, yeah i just feel like the last two fights with ferguson i just haven't i don't know what it is something hasn't quite been there um, yeah i uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to not Ferguson on that last no. performance. I, I just, just I just think special, Gage you know, was just, day. I mean, Gage, we, as we all knew anyway, was so dangerous, could be anyone on any given day, um, no yeah. matter what the level. But he was just another class. He was more composed, more precise, more efficient. Um, you know, he really did do something extra special, even from his normal high level standard. So I'm not going to knock knock him for that and yeah I, I don't know I think he's gonna have the edge on Poirier yeah, he's gonna be close but it's gonna yeah. be a belter of a fight I could say oh of course it is yeah I definitely um, want to watch it <laughs> yeah Adesanya and Paolo Costa have been going back and forth back and forth yeah not like each other one bit no they don't and I think that's gonna make it exciting um I just don't I just worry Adesanya is gonna just keep it really long and frustrating to watch well which is what he, I think he has to do, really. The last get, thing, last time he was worried about his opponent, which was in his last fight, uh, it was made for a very boring fight. Yeah. Whereas all his previous fights, where he was just going out to do his thing, they were all very exciting, and he had all his all mm. all the tools in his arsenal were out. Um, mm. So it'll be interesting what what type of way he goes. Yeah. But. You know, for for us as a viewer, hopefully he goes with emotion, and they just go hell for leather, the two of them. Yeah, in which case I, I've got to go Costa on that one. I just think he's just such a powerful, aggressive. You know, he he's going to try and eat you up. He ain't going to worry about, you know, can I say pussyfooting around on it? Uh, pussyfooting around, mm. um, you know, just trying to get a W on his record uh, by making it a ball fest. You know everything about that guy to me resonates excitement desire to win and and willing to put put it on the line from the get-go i think he, i think he's going to go and get him i think my one thing with adesanya is he's so accurate 
Um, he is, and he's got the ability to, uh, you know, to kick, to to strike from any direction, any angle, and mm -hmm. get get his opponent right on the button and put him to sleep. So it will be yeah. it will be interesting because yeah. if Costa goes in hell for leather and puts him under real pressure, he hasn't got necessarily the time to 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 pick that precision shot, but. We've, as we've seen with McGregor and, and others, sometimes you play into the, that type of fighter's hands by going, mm. pushing into them, because uh, they just wait and wait, and then they pick the right shot and they hit you as you're coming in. Yeah. And it could be game yeah. over, so... Yeah, I mean, I'd be, I'd be surprised if Alessandro sort of takes that fight where it's, he's going to go head-to-head. -head. Um, I think you are going to see some strategy at play to keep it long. Um but uh, you know, if, if Costa's got anything about him, regards, you know, doing a strategy to try and find a way in, um, he'll be trying to stop Adesanya's rhythm and fluidity and don't let him settle. Basically, yeah. I think he's got to rough him up. I think he's got to be quite diverse with his approach. I think he should be um, grappling into him a little bit with the striking on the breaks. I think sometimes when you're giving away precision and distancing and, and some element of footwork. I think you have to kind of like push close and make it a little ugly um, and try and wear down on your opponent. Uh, make him sit on his feet a little longer than he normally would. Whereas if he starts dancing, it's hard to stop him dancing. Uh, I, I want to see Costa make it a little bit ugly. And rather than trying to just strike his way in and, and trying to land those bombs, I would like to see him shoot in sometimes and throw those bombs on the break so he's already engaged range. Um, I think that would be safer than trying to come in range with the those power strikes and, and maybe getting picked off on the way in. I'd yeah, like to see him sure. get him really close and actually catch him on the retraction back out. Absolutely, mate. I can't wait for that fight. I can't wait mm. for that card, actually. It's going to be incredible. It's um, uh, a good one. <clears throat> so we had Bellator 244 on uh, Friday. Um, there's a couple of decent fights on there, but we're going to focus predominantly on the, the Ryan Bader fight. Versus Vadim Nemikov, mm. just for the the title. I think it was the lightweight, lightweight or light heavyweight. Yeah, light heavyweight, light heavyweight. Um, what did you make of this one, mate? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, my very own Lin Linton Vassell's fault. Bader. We we know how real he is. Um, you know, he's got reasonable striking, but what makes him dangerous with the striking is the fact he's such a good wrestler. So he can sort of like concentrate on his striking without the worry of being put on his back. But the issue we had with uh, Nemkov was Nemkov was just another level of striking. And you could actually see it in their forms. Um, Bader was throwing some hands. Um, he was throwing several low point kicks. But Nemkov shin blocked every one of them. So he's clearly got a good read on what kind of strikes are coming forth to him. But mm. the longer the bout went on, the more erratic Bader's footwork was looking. And you could just tell, tell he doesn't have that pedigree of striking like Nemkov clearly has, um, and Bader's composure began to wilt, especially at the beginning of that second round once uh, the old gas tank started to wane just a little bit. I mean, Bader's a fit guy every time. He's clearly always well prepared, but he's um, hitting his late 30s now. Um, and Nemkov, I think he's something like 28. He's like a, you know, a decade his junior. And with that advantage that he appeared to have with his striking form, yeah, it was a, it was a step too much for Bader. Bader started looking uncomfortable in there. Um, yeah, uh, some people might say that was stopped a little late, but um, Bader did really well to avoid any really meaningful damage on the ground, uh, partly due to his wrestling capability of being able to stand up. 
Um, you know, so you know, he really did fight to get back up and get back relevant in the fight. But I saw the doubt in his face before he got knocked down. He, he was beginning to doubt himself. And if he had got up and survived that second round, I can't see that he was going to get through that third. Yeah, I thought um, <clears throat> I thought Nemkov looked pretty dangerous. Throughout. Yeah, very clean, very very clean and tidy looking at that light heavyweight. Clini clinical, wasn't he? Yeah, um, he, in both in defence and attack as well. Like yeah. Anything Very which, anything which Bader tried to do, uh, Nemkov had an answer for. Um, mm. Just before the finish, he hits him with a beautiful, uh, or it was part of the finish sequence, beautiful head kick, um, and then he kind of finishes him off with hammer fists and, and blows uh, just into the like a minute or two into the second round. Um, but it's the head kick, which right on the back, sort of side, side of the head, round the ear. Um, yeah. Bader was never going to recover from that. And, um, no, well, like new, I say, ba Bader, Bader, yeah, Bader was getting under pressure and his form was good, beginning to break. And one of the things that happen when you your form begins to break, to avoid being struck, you lean. And he started leaning back. Okay, he was using footwork along with the lean. But when you lean back, you've always got to come back again. You know, when you lean mm. off balance, you, you're going to come back into range. And that's why... Uh, Nemkov was able to start throwing up the high kicks. He knew there was going to be no counter consequence, and there was all a shot to nothing. And that one got through, and um, yeah, he led to the finish. Yeah, we got a new champion. I think he's going to be hard to beat at the minute. I'm just trying to think. You know, I, I think a lot of the light heavyweights are in that division, uh, kind of aging foes. Um, I can't see there being anyone to challenge him from the look of that sort of skill set that he showed in that match. Yeah, he looked very very good and I just like I say I thought he was exceptionally um, clinical mm. in the way he went about his business defensively sure. as much as he did um, from a what's the word from an aggressive or attacking point of view um, yeah. just trying to find a list of Bellator light heavyweights which is harder than you would think um, right so there we go so I don't know how up to date this is, so bear with me. We've got, well, it says Nem Costa champions, so we should be relatively up to date. Uh, so, well, I'll just read off the list because it's not a massive list. We've got Liam Liam McGarry, McGeary, who's a, an mm. English light heavyweight. And then yeah, yeah, got, he's a good, uh, good Phil striker. Da Phil Davis, uh, Melvin Manhoof, who is. Uh, yeah, he's another aging one, just a striker, really. Yeah, he's Dutch by the looks of it. Uh, yeah, it's just pure striker. Alicio Sakara. Uh, looks like he's a former boxer and kickboxer, so I would imagine mm. he's a bit of a striker. Uh, Nemkov's champion. Christian Edwards, uh, American. Uh, Grant Neal, Chuck Campbell, Lee Chadwick. Uh, he's an English guy. James mm. Mulheron, Mulharan. Uh, Tyree Fortune, Aruna. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's nothing. When you start listing off some of the Corey, light heavyweights are in UFC, Corey Anderson it, is probably the one. Yeah, that sticks it, out. It, it's yeah. it's a, it's a weaker division at the minute. Yeah. It really is not to take anything away from the fighters because they they've all been legit. But you know those ones that are sort of like at the top end of the tree have kind of like been around a long, long time, and you know they're probably past their best. And mm. with the look of that performance that we saw, you're going to have to be at your best um, and have everything fall in place as well to try and stand a chance against this guy. Um, well, 
they've yeah. just signed they've just signed Corey Anderson who's 30 so mm. he's not too old and yeah. you know, what happened with that then uh, what, what happened with UFC, him UFC, uh, UFC released him which is a bit weird but he won yeah. performance, performance of the night the night yeah the that's right yeah. obviously he beat Johnny Walker at UFC 244 then mm. he lost to the Jan Blaschewicz who's the champion yeah. uh, in February um, I don't know if his if his contract was up or whether mm. he, you know, I think um, his behaviour after the Johnny Walker fight upset a few people because he he uh, he taunted and screamed at Johnny Walker and he shoved the referee right. and I think he got fined for that. Um, uh. So I whether that kind of meant they didn't renew his contract, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But he he had one fight left against Jan Blaovich. Um, yeah. Which is interesting because what if he had beaten Jan in that fight, and then he—I don't know if that was for the title—but Jan Jan Blachowicz is is the champion now, yeah. so could have been interesting. But he didn't. He got knocked out in the first round. Yeah. Um, and now he's a Bellator. He's now he's signed yeah. a multi-fight deal. So, um, oh, he was granted his release. I just saw it says. So he mm. asked for his release from UFC, and they. They let him go. Yeah, so he's he's probably he's probably in some financial talks with Bellator. Those probably offering something that better than UFC were offering at the time, I guess. And yeah, um, yeah something you can think about. When I look at those rankings, and there's no disrespect to any of those Bellator light heavyweights, but he's the only one I look at, and I think mm, maybe he'd have a go. The rest yeah. of them, I can sort of. The I, I, well, to be fair, there's a few on there I'm not familiar with, but the ones I am familiar with, I kind of look at and I think mm, he's a good striker, but maybe hasn't got the the wrestling or the the grappling to be able to cope with Nemkov. Mm. Nemkov is so good all round that it's going to mm. take something something decent. To, yeah, to, I mean, to, to Phil, get through that. Phil Davis is still very very relevant. You know, he can strike. You know, safely enough to get the opportunities to try to push for those takedowns, mm. but um, I don't think he's going to like that pressure, that intelligent, that well-structured pressure Nemkov will bring. Um, I think that will see. You know, uh, I think Phil Davis will just find it a step too much. Um, yeah, but then again, like Phil Davis, thirty-five. That's the one yeah. problem with Ben Bellator is they they sometimes seem to sacrifice the younger fighters. In terms of releasing them or, or whatnot, mm. but they're holding on to all these guys who are like thirty-five or thirty-six, yeah. and yeah. it makes it very difficult to build new stars to fight your title holders. And then you yeah, end up with these kind of fights, which like Liam, Mag Liam even Liam McGeary, thirty-seven. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's been around a long time. Um, yeah, it's almost become like. Uh, the pre-retirement show. Yeah, go there thing. for your for your last last big payday. Yeah. No, I shouldn't say that, but but um, it's frustrating. I gotta say because I think mm. there's enough young fighters around who could have a chance of doing something. You know, mm, if mm. like uh, if they it's kind of in the cage warriors sort of place, and mm. then. Maybe they're not quite going to UFC yet, but if Bellator could pick up those sort of those young fighters, they could give them a big platform to push yeah, on. Yeah, I think. Well, look, you know, Cage Warriors has pretty much become a feeder show 
regards to anything coming from the Europe UFC, side of things. Especially, and, especially with the now they've got that contract with the UFC yeah, that's right. Pass. And um, and Bama was kind of like becoming naturally the progression. You'd go Bama, then over to Bellator. Yeah. But now the Bellator sort of employed the Bama staff for their Bellator Europe. But then, of course, Bama's been dropped. Um, I think they should have kept that Bama going and, and had it as a natural feeder show. And then they would have had the, that, that young talent coming up through. Um, you need, you've got to build new stars, haven't you? Absolutely. Um, okay, so let's move on to last night's UFC. Uh, we'll start with the first fight of the main card. Uh, Mr. Daniel Rodriguez versus Dwight Grant. What an interesting fight this was. Yeah, this was uh, back and forth, wasn't it? Um you know, Rodriguez coming out throwing really heavy, and you know Dwight Grant is 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 quite rangy and um, and loose with his strikes, uh, and got obviously clearly got a fair bit of uh, power in his hands too because he drops Rodriguez, and it looked like it was going to be curtains. I think the ref was looking ever so closely at stopping it, especially now the ref seemed to be under closer, very uh, very close to stopping it. I think yeah, wasn't he? yeah. I just think that he covered so tight that. I think the ref knew none of them were really getting through. It's not the smartest way to defend a non-slope the way he was doing it. But I think he just was trying to move right at the right times, blocking well, because um, he wasn't getting hurt overly when he was on the ground situation. But he rose back up. And the, the good thing for Rodriguez is he put it on Grant from the get-go as soon as he did get back to a neutral stood position. He just went attacking. And it nearly happened again. He nearly got in trouble again. But he connects with Grant. And he sends Grant back, but Grant was already tired from the onslaught he had put on Rodriguez. And I just think, that, therefore, he couldn't defend so well. And, um, yeah, it was getting rocked. It was looking ugly for him. And, yeah, he, he couldn't get through to the end of the round. But it was exciting for as long as it lasted. But, yeah, what can you do when, when two people throw down like that? Yeah, these, it was these interesting. Kind of fights. Yeah. Because you had, um, um, Rodriguez got rocked after a mm. quick, quick start. Um, yeah. It looked like Grant was going to take it. I, I did think the referee was going to stop it. Yeah. And then as they got to their feet and they were close in, uh, Rodriguez just hit him with a really big left hand in the pocket. And yeah. it, just, it just rocked him. And he never... A combination of that shot and then uh, a couple of other shots which he took in the follow-up. But, but also the energy, like you said, it, which he expended trying to get the finish just mm -hmm. before meant that he went from nearly finishing the fight to being on his back and taking yeah. heavy shots and he got stopped. Yeah, this of... is the difficulty. And, and the thing is, for Grant, you know, the opportunity to win and take take Rodriguez out from the get-go happened so early on in the round that he was expending energy to try to get that final nail in his coffin. Um, and it just wasn't there. And then the, the finishing line was just too far away from him once he started getting tagged upon himself. So, you know, well done to Rodriguez, really, to be on the receiving end as he was. Clearly was not perturbed when he stood up because he went straight back in for the row. You know, he, he wanted to throw the bar still on chairs at, at <laughs> Grant. And uh, Grant started looking like he was gassing a little bit. And yeah. he, he just didn't receive the punishment as well as Rodriguez received the punishment. And the refs did step in at that moment. So, yeah, well done, Rodriguez. I mean, he kind of did it the right way, I would suggest, because to me on paper, Grant, over the course of those rounds, would have been too, too technically sharp for Rodriguez. Rodriguez had to make it ugly, and ugly it was. And it pulled him through for the win. Well done. Impressive. Uh, yeah. Next up was the ladies. And uh, I was 
shocked by this result. I was expecting it to go one way, and uh, it kind of did in the first round. It went the way I was expecting, and then yeah, she just she had an adrenaline dump, as they put it, and mm. it was all went different. But it was Maria Ag Agapova versus uh, Shauna Dobson. Yeah. Um, Agapova was exactly what you thought you'd be in the first round. She was impressive. She pushed. Yeah. But did she, did she push too much? Absolutely. I think this was the issue, really. Agapova has done what she always does, and I think she is getting sold on her own hype that that's what she's becoming known for to to, to throw down hard from the get go. And, and don't get me wrong, that can get you the wins. But you know, a true champion, um, a true high level fighter is going to be someone who does the right type of thing against the right type of opponent. She should have, or a, a corner should have said, "Hey, look, slow things down and pick your moments to to burst especially, that energy." Sorry to interrupt you, but there. Yeah. Especially Shauna Dobson's the, the toughest fighter she's fought in the UFC. Yeah. Um, this is her toughest fight, so yeah. she's got to, uh, and her camp have got to understand that you. Yes, you can go after the the early win as you normally do, but you've yeah. got to accept that you might have to go three rounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and look, Shona Dobson as well, when she was um, shooting in on Ag Agapova, although Agapova didn't stop moving, she was taking her down way too easy. And mm. Agapova had to bust another nut to sort of get up into a scramble scenario. And although she kept getting Dobson in some positional trouble, um, she kept, uh, Dobson was able to get a little relief in that yeah. fast pace by keep getting scoring those takedowns. Um, yeah, so I think Agapova's had something to learn there. Let's hope that she learns from it. Of course, she can still fight with that kind of intensity. She's so young as well. I mean, yeah, she just has to. She has to learn to turn it on and off, um, and 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 just pace it right because this is ultimately what lost it. I think it was all for her to win. She's clearly a talented girl, clearly aggressive, but the strategical impl implementation on someone the level of Dobson was what sort of undoing at yeah, the end was, of the day. it was a any flawed of, strategy. I think, yeah, any, any of the other girls, um, you know, lower down the ranks, yeah, I think she would be just too much from doing what she does. And then it would be a good good sort of strategy to do. But Shana Dobson, you know, she, you're not going to run over her so easily. But where do you think, like, I've just got it on now and I'm looking at it in this first round. And if you just watch it just on the first round, I think the first two minutes, she does everything right. And then with mm. about three and a half minutes to go, uh, Dobson kicks her off her as she's got her in mount and as she's moving to try and to get an angle to to, to hit Dobson Dobson mm. kicks out with both legs that's right um, and Agapova kind of goes flying off her and then after that she seems so everything she, like before the, those first two minutes I thought everything Agapova did was very clinical and very uh, focused but mm. then after she got kicked off it was almost as if she was rushing to get back to that position, and I feel like that's where she became hectic and and yeah. maybe she was desperately trying to do something, and then she ends up underneath, which yeah, is then expending right. energy which she was not before. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I just think um, you know the aggressive energy she uses. Uh, and okay, you can kind of warrant someone releasing some of the energy, like we saw with Grant. You know, there's there's good reason to do it, but she got taken down and then was spending time underneath and then she had Dobson on her back and it was looking a real, real tricky situation. Um, but she carried on trying to go at full bore. She just, there, there was no waiting for the right time. 
um, especially trying to escape positions in the in the correct way you kind of got to feel when the person in the advantageous position on the ground not switches off that's the wrong thing to say but you've, you, you, the they can't be direction. yeah they can't be tight all the time they've either got a transition which is where there's windows of opportunity to escape or they've got a release from the pin a little bit to try to ignite some striking opportunities yeah you know she she everything was just hard 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 work and um yeah she guessed herself out simple as that you know do you think had, um, that moment where about halfway through the round pretty much bang on halfway through the round where she got kicked off is when she should have mm. she should have regrouped and kind of re reset herself had a you know maybe gone for some distance striking just to set herself again and then yeah. see see where the fight goes but she was so desperate to get back to this aggressive position yeah and then I'd, literally when that second round starts she had nothing no 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 that's it but she had to fight out of difficult situations she had dobson on her back um yeah. she, she was uh half guarded for some time at the end of that uh that first I mean, round if you watch her um, get up as well and at that, the end of the first round she can barely get up yeah because, yeah yeah. and she finishes in quite a you know strong yeah, she's she, in mount but yeah, well, she recovered the position really there. well. But the, 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 the positions she was in were always high energy. So mm. when she was being aggressive, she was using a lot of energy on her feet. Um, when she got the, the back towards the end of that first round, there's already been a lot of exertion uh, being put in. But to try and stay on someone's back, trying to choke them and ground and pound them as she was, that's another high intensity. You're, you're locking out your legs. You're trying to throw shots, which in, involves your core, because your legs are being used to, to, to tie up the body to maintain control. You know, these are not highly efficient positions when you've mm -hmm. already exerted yourself. If you're absolutely fresh and you're on the back like that, okay, you can be efficient about it. But when you've already exerted yourself as much as she had, suddenly they're quite exertive positions also. Um, she, that armbar she, she was so in. She's young, by the way, didn't she? Yes, yeah, she does. Um, and that armbar situation, her saving grace for that was that when she was um, being armbar attempted by Dobson, Dobson had, she had both her legs under the opposite arm and rather yeah, than yeah. being over the head. And that was her saving grace. Had Dobson had that head position, um, I think that armbar would have been on. I think the match would have been pins potentially stopped through a submission. But um, Dobson just didn't have the correct position with a leg that should have been controlling the head. Um, some people that would have been overlooked but that's something i observed and i'm like oh you know that that's mm. nearly and nearly everything's in place for that armbar she just didn't control the head therefore you can't dominate the posture um now but well done for dobson really you you, you got to think that she you she was still under legit pr pressure really legit pressure Sh shana, Dod uh, shana dobson was eight to one to win that fight mm. that's a mm. massive underdog um yeah but even do you know i just Watch the start of the second round again. So the start of the second round, Agapova comes out. She literally looks like she's out on her feet as she's coming out to the middle. And then yeah. she, her choice of, like, what should I do in this fight is to try and go, like, punch for punch with the yeah. fresher Dobson, who's a mm. good striker anyway. She gets yeah. nailed with a kick and a couple of big right hands, and that's it then, because she, I feel like she made, whether it's down to her corner or her... I feel like during, from the middle of the first round to the end of the fight, she made very poor decisions on how yeah. to tackle the fight. Yeah, um, when you're when you're really tired, you generally don't think as clear. When you're exerted as hard as mm. you are, or particularly in that situation, you don't think as clear. And um, Dobson just exploded from that underneath position. She, Dobson got took down very very quickly uh, by Agapova. I think again because Agapova was just sort of like so 
all over the place. She was kind of hard yeah. to predict for, for even experienced Dobson. But Dobson, once she exploded out, Agapova had no muscular strength to, to keep her down. She got out from a really bad position into a good position way too easy. And it was because of the exertion and exhaustion that Agapova had setting in on her after that first round onslaught. Yeah, I mean, take nothing away from Dobson. You know, she, when you, it takes a lot mentally to, to be the under, that much of an underdog. Everyone expects you to lose, to have the mental fortitude yeah. to go and perform, especially after maybe you've probably lost that first round. Um, to, to then go and, you know, to put that second round to bed the way she did, to finish yeah. it the way she did. You have to I do think... your job, don't you? Even if you're absolutely un unpredictable. I, I just think that Dobson felt that there was weaknesses there in Agapova's game in that first round and that's why she come out so confident in the second mm. I just think she she perhaps felt stronger or she felt that um, Agapova perhaps didn't have the outright power in her strikes that she felt that she didn't have to worry about uh, that because she come out absolutely confident in that first round it was actually Dobson taking it to Agapova and Agapova's you know, we know her mentality well, is that's to why I was confused why Agapova decided to go toe to toe with her at the start of the second round it made no sense to me to do that when mm. she was well, clearly she, gassed yeah yeah and I mean uh, but she Dobson did bail out stronger yeah yeah, yeah, absolutely. But Agapova did bail out. She she ended up initiating the ground the grappling mm. in that second round. So, she she only traded for a certain moment, and then yeah. But she, in she, that time, she she got hit with a, a head kick and two big right. Yeah, hands, she did. Yeah. Which, when you're tired, I'm imagining that head trauma is not ideal. No, exactly not. <laughs> but look, I gotta say, I Agapova's so young that she could eat. You know, it's no, you know, it's nothing for her to be overly concerned like when i say overly concerned with i mean the loss obviously mm. she's used to winning um, yeah obviously she's got things to work on etc sure um but you know you wouldn't be surprised to see her come back and pick up no, some I victory i gotta say she, i still she, think that she's probably the better fighter out of the two but mm. her decision making during the fight was poor very yeah poor. yeah In i my, absolutely you know, agree just my opinion though yeah um, no i agree with that but yeah, well done, Shauna Dobson, because I thought she, um, I love seeing the underdog, and she was, everyone wrote her off. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. You know, to, to do that is real impressive. Mm. Uh, next up was Austin Hubbard versus Joe Selecki. Danny, did we see a future star in Joe, uh, Joe Selecki? Selecki, yeah, Selecki looked good, confident, crisp striking. Um, um, you know, looks after, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, everything that he, he, he chose to do was a, a preconceived notion. Um, looked very, very good. It kind of looks a little bit like, um, you know, we were talking about Nemkov. It's kind of similar to that, you know, holding very, very good form. Um, he backed off with the right times that he should back off. I mean, Hubbard's, you know, no slouch in his own right. No. He really isn't. Um, but so yeah, he's he, 26, by the way. Yeah, mm -hmm. and Slicky showed really great striking, really good decision making. Uh, good wrestling and good grappling. Um, he really did show that he's uh, a potential full package that could come into contention within the next 18 months. Um, what, did, um, what did you make of their exchange where Hubbard had him, uh, sorry, uh, Selecki had him against the cage and uh, they were kind of wrestling on their feet against the cage and before yeah. you knew it, he was on his back and he had the figure four on the legs from the back. Um, yeah, yeah. In. I yeah, I mean, it, slick. It, yeah, yeah, it impressed me the way he got his back. Now, um, 
uh, Hobart was using uh, head position uh, mm. on Selecki. And Selecki, to disengage it, just dropped levels on him and he got his head to his hip. Um, and then that's how he worked his way round to the back. Um, you know, sometimes in those wrestling exchanges, it can be just, you know, a little little fortunate in exchange um, where you just find yourself getting a getting a good position. But this looked like something he's done in training time and time again, and it caught Hubbard completely out. Um, Hubbard yeah. didn't seem to know what to do to get his legs because he had his legs. He had one he, leg around his he waist tried, and yeah, his other was, leg linked around his knee. And he just I didn't seem to know how to get it off. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that he was trying to kick it, uh, kick one of the hooks off. Yeah. Um, you know, that's something you might choose to do to kick a hook off in a grounded situation. Yeah, but not yeah. when you're stood up with your body weight and someone else's. You can't go up on one leg like that. And um, no. yeah, you're absolutely right. He was a little lost on, on what to do. Uh, I think in that situation, it's really, really hard to get someone off your back, especially in the first round. I think he should have just lent against the cage, uh, and in particular against the post. Um, he chose to go against the cage wall. He definitely should have gone up against a post because he could have taken a rest position there and taken the weight off of his back, so to speak, mm. by um, putting the, the two body masses up against the fence and, and just throw that round away with the, loss, with the lack of loss of energy. Just defend yeah. one arm, stop the choke, just know that that round's gone and just start better knowing to expect that he's got this little transition to get round to the back and be ready for it the next round and try and make yourself more relevant. But um, he was trying all sorts of really inefficient ways uh, of getting Selecki off. And, and Selecki was just too slick. He lost control of the arms and that choke was went in. And Once he was fresh, in, it was over, wasn't it? Yeah, it's just too fresh. Too fresh. And um, yeah, yeah, it's going um, over. So, you know, when, he, when he's on his back stood up, why do fighters not go... Like, I see some older fights. They often will kind of jump back onto the floor to break the hold. Now, obviously, the risk with that is if they don't let go when they hit the deck, they got you in the, you know, they've got you back on the floor. But I'm wondering why you don't see that. So don't seem to see that as much these days. Yeah, well, if you go onto the ground in that sort of way, you're momentarily opening up your neck on the jump back. Because to mm. jump back, you've got to straighten your spine. You've got to almost backflip to, to generate some kind of impact on the ground. Yeah. It's a little bit like the same situation as someone putting a triangle on. Now, you can pick them up and slam them, and you might get away with it. But a really slick jiu-jitsu guy, you pick them up and slam them, on the impact, it's going to tighten it up because you're thrusting your head down deeper into the triangle. Um, so it's not always the best way. You mm. can get away with it. It's like you know, choosing to go balls out in the first round, and <laughs> you, you might add something to your highlight reel. But if you don't, like we saw Agapova, the consequence of that is you can gas out it's a little bit like that really when someone's on your back you're expending energy to flip them onto the back to try and cause them some kind of harm but you're momentarily opening yourself up and really it don't get you out of the situation you do that they're still on your back yeah, um, unless you it's do really it very hard but i mean even it's not the you're, answer you're limited uh yeah i was gonna say you're limited in how much pressure you're gonna get or like how much force you're gonna get on you that's right yeah it's it, and... it, 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 it's crude at best yeah, um, and I'm assuming that when you weigh it up, like risk versus reward, it's not going to be. Yeah, you know, yeah. I more. mean, back along, you're talking about the, the the real older UFCs, the retro ones, as such that we've covered. Um, you know, um, someone they didn't will have jump, the jujitsu skills then. Yeah, they, that's right. Absolutely. Yeah, they didn't. I wouldn't have their head always tucked in. And for the guy that's got someone on their back, um, they used it, to panic. Was, yeah, they just just panic, and they just just you know. Do whatever first comes to mind. Um, it's just not that way anymore. 
I mean, in fairness to Hubbard, whilst he didn't know, or he didn't look as if he knew how to get himself out of the position in terms of the legs locked mm. in, he um, he didn't panic. He was just, you know, he was trying, he was kind of, you could see him running through different methods of trying to get him off. Like he was trying yeah. to, kick, like you say, kick his leg away because he had that leg hooked around the inside of his knee. Yeah, um, yeah, no, that's not good. Um, it's hard for me to explain because obviously I'm just doing it by by voice only. Um, you know, if I could show you this if we was in a gym environment from the get go. But basically, you know what I was saying about put them up against the post, um, and then you've got something to push on your opponent to try yeah. and turn them around, and you try and pummel an arm back round. You try to spin them round to the side, therefore the front of you. Yeah. But yeah. Um, he did none of that. He, he was a little bit stuck on what to do, and in which case you just sit tight. If if you can't get out of a situation like that, you just throw the round away and keep yourself safe for another round. Um, he carried on jostling with the arms. He was trying to kick the legs, and he just opened up more opportunities for Selecki to take the victory. Yeah, I was going to say it seemed like the more he, when he did go against the cage, because he, he kept trying to get out of the the grapevine, if you like, mm. he um, he seemed to be getting closer and closer to the choke. And yeah. by the time he, you know, the choke opened up. He was he had it in so tight it was seconds, you know. Yeah. He tapped tapped straight away because he knew that. Yeah, yeah. He he, he had completely screwed up. Yeah, he screwed up. You know, he showed a couple of witnesses in in some kind of I call them like grey areas because they don't get much coverage. Um, regards you don't see it much, do you? Coaches. Standing rear standing rear naked chokes, though, do you? Really? Uh, no, no, you don't I'm see. I'm sure you do, but like choke. um, you know, yeah. as a, just as a it, fan, like you don't see very many completed stood up. No, that's right. Chokes. No. It, it is a little bit more rare, but it is still part of it, and hence I call them the grey areas. But those grey areas have still got to be covered because if you're lost in those grey areas, yeah. they can become positions uh, of a finish. And yeah, people will target then as well. If yeah, they see it's, you, don't know what it's to bad. Do it's bad enough getting tapped out on the ground with a choke, but to be tapped out on your feet is For it's sure, yeah. it's like an insult almost. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. Uh, next up was uh, Martian Prashimio. Versus Mike Rodriguez didn't last too long. Two minutes of the first round, two minutes seventeen of the first round. Mike Rodriguez won via KO via strikes. What you got this? Yeah, round? yeah, yeah. I mean, um, both of them looked looked nice and powerful at the beginning, um, but Rodriguez was the first one to to, to start getting uh, the connections, and you know, so early on, such a big, powerful guy, uh, you get in trouble early on, like. Uh, uh, Pacino, is that how we pronounce his name? Pacino yeah. did. Uh, it looked like once he was on the receiving end, it didn't look like he even wanted to to be in there with Rodriguez. Um, Rodriguez just did what he had to do, and he had that type of opponent in front of him. He hurt him, and the, the opponent really had not, not a lot left to give once he started showing some vulnerability, and he just reacted really badly to it. And um, that was just going to send signals to the ref, hey, you know, st stop this for me. Sort of thing. He just gave out the wrong vibes. It really did. But that yeah, clinch, about a minute in, he took a shot, and he kind of looked yeah. like a rabbit in the headlights. Um, yeah, but let's not take away from the skill set that set it up from Rodriguez. He'd done a lovely. He, he was catching a lovely clinch, and uh, Martin's great, great choice knees. was yeah, and some great knees. And Martin was trying to punch his way out. Now you can get away with punching your way out. You really can, especially being in the first round where you've got strength to maintain your posture like it, like he did. 
but um, you are vulnerable to, to, mm. to be in need, and we saw it. But the choppy elbow, this was really nice because when you've got a tie clinch and you're thinking about knees, you're sacrificing two arms for the control to make yeah. your knees the weapon. But what was nice about it was he showed some yeah, diversity nice. of thought and strategy by letting go with a single tie clinch and then popping up that elbow. And, and that's what led to the start of the slippery slope yeah, for his right, opponent. That first, that first left elbow... Uh, in the clinch was just brutal. It was lovely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he, he threw through of them, so clearly this is in his game. Yeah, yeah. Never too um, straight down as he was That's down. right. Yeah. It was the so knees for, that set it up, wasn't it? Where yeah, he yeah. He, just, he caught that tight clinch. And again, tight clinch is something that we've not seen a lot of. I think Anderson Silva was the last person to constantly use it as a as a weapon that was part of his arsenal. That um, oh, I can't remember the name of the guy. Uh, Franklin. Uh, do you ever remember the fight with Silver and Frank, oh, it's just devastating. He spread Franklin's nose across his face like a pirate's yeah. eye patch. It was really nasty. But, you know, he demonstrated really good tie clinch. Um, and the tie clinch wasn't just a tie clinch. He could turn it for, for choppy elbows while maintaining that single cup, hold on the head, um, knocked him dizzy, along with those knees. Great, brilliant. Um, I'm happy for Rodriguez. Didn't. I, um, I can't remember seeing him fight before. I don't know whether we've covered any of his before. Um, but I'm actually going to try and do a little bit of research and look, look at this guy because what I saw was pretty impressive and hopefully he's going to be someone that's going to be moving up those ranks and getting someone else into the contention you know, and making those divisions even more exciting. Yeah, there's two elbows on the floor which he hits because he, he, he hits the one in the clinch. Then he hits like a he glancing one as he's falling, and mm. then the two he hits during the you know when he's when he's already when he's down are absolutely brutal. Um, yeah. Just having a quick look to see. Um, so he's fought a lot in cage titans, right? So he fought last time he fought in the UFC was on the Korean Zombie versus Frankie Edgar card in December two thousand nineteen. So we wouldn't okay. have covered that. Yeah, I guess um, so. I don't, don't remember covering him. So he hasn't fought for a long time mm. um, in the UFC. Yeah. Uh, and he, he'd lost that fight by a knockout. Uh, but it looks like he's banned, actually. Um, oh, no, that was his, that was his uh, opponent from one of the fights. Mm. Um, so I'm not sure. Maybe he's been injured or well, just a weird one. Um, but it'd be interesting to see where because he, he's 31, so he needs to be active, um, mm. you know, and really kind of. He's, uh, he was on the contenders series um, initially, right? And he and he won a contract via a flying knee knockout. So I mean, it's clearly. Oh, well, there a, you go. So clearly a tool he likes to use. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he hasn't fought since 2019. So hopefully right. we'll see him again soon enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, if I was in Martin's, Martin's corner and I saw that tie clinch and, and, and saw that he was getting trouble, I'd be telling him to shut those shoulders, you know, drive the shoulders into the forearms because it helps strip you out of the grip. And um, and I'd be trying to shoot in to, to try and smother the affair or, or break free back out into the open. But it looked like he, he, he had no real clue how to deal with that tie clinch um, mm. and just just was sort of punching his way through. Uh, which again, you know, doesn't necessarily mean you don't know how to deal with it. Some people are really powerful there. I think, ah, um, uh, who's the guy who's fighting in the next coming weeks? Uh, uh, Robbie Lawler. 
Yeah. You know, if you tie clinch someone like Robert Lewis, he's someone who's going to punch his way out. You know, he's not going to do anything too flashy or technical. Yeah, he's yeah. going to clobber you back, but with hands, you know. Um, so it's not to say that he actually didn't know what to do. It was just not effective, in which case you've got to go to game ban plea, and he, di he didn't have it. Um, but I would have been shouting out, shock your shoulders and get back into a special shock those sh shoulders to, to break the link of that tie clinch and drop levels and uh, mm. try and try and smother the striking affair. Yeah, but uh, no, it was impressive. Um, next up then was the, the main event of the evening. Number five ranked Pedro Munez versus number eight in the featherweight division, I should say. But I think Frankie Edgar, Edgar will be in the top five uh, of the bantamweight division after this. Um, yeah. Went the full five rounds with uh, Frankie Edgar picking up the victory via judge's decision. Mm. Um tell me what impressed you about the fight and then uh, where, who, where you who you gave the fight to yeah I actually when I uh, finished watching the fight I had Munez winning three rounds to two um, quite simply because the, the overall striking landing percentages were you know, reasonably close overall um, but I just felt like he was playing the main stalker mm. um, but I wouldn't have been surprised the result going the other way either, quite simply because Frank Edgar was impressing me with his combinations. He was landing really nice one-twos and he was landing repeated uppercuts. And, and with those uppercuts were either single uppercuts or he changed uppercuts for counter uh, along with hooks and then straights thereafter. He really was putting the, um, the combinations really well together. Um, but he was having to footwork off a lot. Um, you know, Munez, as we know, he's a complete hunter on the feet. Feet, he really is. He'll press you, press you, press forward and push you back, and that's exactly what we saw. Now he started playing a really good strategy. Remember me saying last week that I thought Edgar might lose because I think at that weight division he's going to lose the main advantage, which was his speed. And I felt yeah. like the way he stances, his lead legs a little bit vulnerable to being leg kicked. Now Munez started targeting his leg very, very early, and it started to bother Edgar. Um, over mm -hmm. the course of a few rounds. I just felt that if Munez had focused on that lead leg just a little bit more, he would have made the combinations that Edgar was getting off less effective. And I feel like then he would have had more calls to hack at those legs to, to get an outright conservative win. Um, so he would have had a a double strategy for him. You know, one to lessen the effectiveness of Edgar's combinations because of that hampered lead leg. Because um, once your leg hurts, you kind of got a punch over the top of it. You lose a lot of your power and a lot, lot of your precision on your combinations. Um, but Edgar played it really well. He was lead leg slipping to try to make those leg kicks ineffective. He was landed those wonderful combinations, showed great footwork and composure. And Edgar, quite often in these fights, comes out looking worse for wear. You know, he marks up very easily. But um, it was actually Munez who looked more worse for wear facially at the end of it. Yeah. Those both blooded, both bruised. But Munis was wearing the fight on his face very, very mm. early. Now, whether that's what went against him for the judges, um, who who really knows? I think it was a combination of the fact that he was blooded very early. And I think that um, some of what Edgar was doing was more visual. Edgar was being more the complete MMAs. He was incorporating some shoot attempts, even if the takedown weren't nowhere near there. He was disrupting that forward motion pace from Menounes, shooting him on doubles and singles, breaking off from them, continually striking combinations, and 
you know, his cardio just amazes me. It just amazes yeah. me. I don't know whether he just trains extra hard with fitness, whether it's a God-given talent to be as fit as he is, or whether he's just so composed, he just don't get himself rolled into getting exhausted because he just don't ever feel anyone's pressure. Because he certainly is composed. I mean, Munez never once stopped coming forward at Edgar. And Edgar, never, uh, Edgar just didn't look once to be overly perturbed. He just footworked away, kept it... So he was being safe and kept smart with his combinations. It wasn't like he was moving back and um, being a punch bag. He was making himself permanently relevant. And Edgar, Edgar you know, he's still relevant today. That's just amazing. Um, it's it's just utterly impressive. And over three weights now that he's proving to be relevant. Yeah. It really, really impresses me. And uh, yeah, well done, Edgar. Very good. He's yeah, done a I lot better I... than Aldo, put it that way. Yeah, Jesus. Um, yeah, actually, I'd like to see... Uh, Edgar fight Aldo next. I gotta be honest. I think he'd be that would be my choice for the hit their next fights. Yeah, because they uh, fought twice before, and Edgar's lost twice, hasn't yeah. he? And I think a bit fighting a bantamweight would be really yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, because they're now two weight divisions away from the time that they had fought before, and you you got to wonder on based on Edgar's performance and the way Jose Aldo's been performing. You've mm. got to wonder whether Edgar would romp it. But then styles just sometimes create nemesis for you. So mm. maybe Aldo's just got that style that will always block Edgar from being successful. It'd be interesting to know. The only way we're going to know is by getting that match on. And I'd actually be interested in seeing that trilogy down at that weight. Yeah, it'd be very, very interesting to see yeah. how it goes. Um, look, I thought Munez had... The better of the, or had the more significant strikes but yeah. i thought edgar had had the the kind of better uh combinations and, and yeah variety of strikes and that's probably what gave it the edge it really it probably really did so as much as i said hey look three rounds i'd, I'd give that because he, he had edgar having to fight on the outskirts all the time and i know some of the fights they've been scoring that quite big um, and so that kind of got put on the forefront of my mind. He was really looking predatorial in there. And Edgar, although looking comfortable and never looking like uh, he was being pressured to discomfort, he was still having to, you know, play the counter guy. Uh, yeah. But he countered very well and he got in the win. I'm not surprised. Yeah, it was, it was a really, really enjoyable fight to watch. And um, whilst I felt Munez probably won... It's not like it was like this big robbery where no, no, you know, uh, like, yeah, I wouldn't can't say that. Believe it, it's gone that way. Um, yeah, and to be honest as well, I'm glad we got you know a good old five rounds um, to to watch because so many of the other fights were over so quickly. Fights, some of these fights were done in seconds. Yeah, so, they didn't uh, go on very long at all. Yes, it was better this way. Um, mm. But yeah, it was enjoyable, enjoyable card again by mm. the uh, by the UFC. So um, next week we have a very interesting card. Actually, I'm looking forward to this one. We've got uh, the main event is Anthony Smith, ranked number five in light heavyweight, versus Alexander Rakic, ranked number eight. Uh, who have you got for that? Uh, I I'm going to go Smith. But this is this is one that really could go either or way. To be fair, but uh, I'm I'm going to push for Smith on this one. Yeah, just about. I'm going to go with Smith. Only just though. Um, 
it's a close one. For me, it is actually. a close one. Um, especially because who did Smith fight? Uh, John Jones, wasn't it? And mm. he was just didn't do himself justice at all. No. Um, everything which he had done to get a fight of that caliber, yeah, kind of didn't do, did he? Yeah, um, yeah. Another fight, another interesting fight on that card is Robbie Lawler versus Neil Magny. Mm. Yeah, I mean I Neil Magny, cool. he, he's been doing ever so well, but um, I, I'm I, I'm going to go Lawler. I'm going to go Lawler, but this is yet another one that really could just go Magny's way. I mean, as Lawler just got too many miles on the clock now. Um, but you know he's always impressed me when, you know, when when he fights you, he's always still still there, still still in it. So I'm going to go Lawler. Yeah, I, I um, I'm going to go Neil Magny. Um, I just I like everything about him. His work. Yeah, he's doing he is doing ever so well. He really is. And like I say, I wouldn't be surprised if it if it went his way. And um, I just think for outright stopping power, I think Lawler's got the tools to perhaps end it. Yeah, um, I can, uh, yeah, I can I can believe that. Um, so that's it, mate, for tonight. Um, obviously, next week we've got uh, another card to discuss. We've also got a guest next week, um, and I can't remember the order of them, so I'm just going to quickly go check my notepad. I can't remember which way around they were because we've got guests for the next couple of weeks. Right. Uh, who is next week? Do you remember? Uh, so next week we have Cage Warriors fighter. Uh, Aaron Khalid joining us, which is going to be cool. We'll be talking the UFC from the night before, including the fights that we just discussed. And uh, we'll also be talking about Aaron's upcoming fight on the Cage Warriors card in September. So that's going to be very interesting, and I'm looking forward to having a chat with him. So if you've got any questions for Aaron, uh, send them in before next Sunday when we'll be recording, and we can put them to the man himself uh, but I'm excited to have another Cage Warriors fighter on mate mm, yeah yeah it's um, all sounding good I've got to say so indeed because we've got, got a guest this week guest next week hopefully a guest uh, the week after which I just mm -hmm. realised I've put in your hands yes so you sound like that just put doubt in the way you yeah. said it well because at <laughs> the start need to organise something no no it's because before we um before we started recording, I was trying to remember who the third one was, mm. and I couldn't think who it, it was. And, and you it should say, yeah, it should be fine. Right, you know, for, initially, yeah. I mean, it's still a few weeks away yet, but it should be okay. Excellent. And um, obviously, we've got a growing list of people, and I'm hoping to get even more people on. Hoping to get some uh, some female fighters on as well. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But, yeah. Uh, Subscribe to youtube.com slash ace podcast nation. Spread the word for the Danny Batten Fight Show. And uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at Danny Batten FS and same on Instagram. And follow at ace podcast nation on Instagram and at acecast underscore nation on Twitter. And Facebook is ace podcast nation. Tell us what you like, tell us what you don't like. And uh, we will see you next week with our special guest. Cheers, guys.
Social Podcast Network.